This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today, I've got Victor Smolyanov from Victor's Roofing. And believe it or not, we were just talking about this before we went live. I said his name wrong. I tried. Victor, tell everybody the right way to say your name. Smolyanov. So you said Smolyanov is the, is the Russian way of saying it, and Smolyanov is the English version of it. So uh, it was not bad. Pretty good. It's a, pretty it's good. a good attempt. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we were just saying with a, somebody with a name like mine, Kaska Volsian, you would think that I would be able to pronounce anybody's name, but um, it's all right. I used to go by Victor. Uh, nobody in school ever said my last name. I'm like Victor. Yep, I'm here. Yep. People will start small. I'm like I'm here. Yeah. Raise my hand. I am. Um, I'm a lot of times. I'm just Brian K. There you go. All right. So, um, Victor, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, it's going to be very good. Um, let's start with having you give everybody the kind of the two minute version of your story. The two minute version. I don't know. I'll try two minutes is sometimes uh, too short of a time, but, um, so I was born in Ukraine. Um, which was the old, you know, Soviet Union. And uh, my parents moved us to the U.S. in 1996 because my, my dad was part of 12 kids. And most of the family has uh, moved on from the Soviet Union once it fell apart, you know, once it fell apart. Um, I was nine years old at that time. And uh, we came to the U.S. My dad was, you know, he needed to work, had no English, you know, kind of did not have, you know, background in schooling. His younger brother was doing roofing at that time, so he jumped right in. I guess, you know, you don't need English to put nails into a shingle, and that's what he started doing. So from 96 forward, my dad's been in the roofing industry, and I basically grew up uh, with my dad coming home, you know, late at night, dirty, smelly, tired, you know, leaving before the sun is up to go back on the roof. And uh, what I did is I, I went to school, studied my – and. and in uh, the Eastern European culture, schooling or higher education, you know, people place a high value on that. And schooling came really easy to me. Like in high school, I didn't have to study for tests and I got straight A's. But the issue was I did not want to put my effort into it. So my parents decided, decided to put me up on the roof when I was about 13, 14 years old to work alongside my dad during the summers. That way I would see how hard roofing is that Hey, this is not something I want to do with my life. And <laughs> so go to actually, school. Go to school, basically. Yeah, don't do roofing. Go to school. Don't be like your dad. I actually enjoyed it. I mean, uh, you know, the first couple of days, the first couple of weeks were absolutely miserable. It was hot. It was, it was not a good place to be. But I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed working with my hands. I seen that my uncles, my dad, they were doing okay, and I wanted to be just like them. So after uh, graduating high school. I went to college for about two months. I went for construction management and did that for two months and actually dropped out. Disappointed my mom and my dad uh, heavily, but I just said, hey, I'm going to go to the school of hard knocks and decided to start roofing full time and uh, worked with my dad for about three years. 
right after high school, he was actually a subcontractor for a big company in our market. Um, at that time, I was 21. I actually opened up Victor's Roofing, and I was actually working as a sub for another big vendor in the, you know, for the same big vendor in the area. And for the first five years of Victor's Roofing, I strictly did, you know, roofing work underneath somebody else. And I enjoyed it, made a good, good living, never complained about the heat, the cold, it was kind of part of the job. You know, you, you work really hard for nine months, you kick back for three, and then you do it all over again when the, when the snow melts. And uh, a guy from our church um, that, I, that I go to kind of just, you know, was talking to me about what I was doing. And he's like, man, you know, you're really going to get old at one point. And, you know, you're not going to be able to work with your hands, with your back. You know, look at your dad. He's old and, you know, he's looking rough and roofing wears on your body. So I was like, okay, kind of planted that seed in my mind. And a guy from uh, the company that I used to work with also said the same thing. He's like, you know, you should. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, to bring more guys on board. I'm like, why is that? And he's like, you know what? In case you ever leave, I got to be able to replace you. And I was like, why would I ever leave? I'm making a good living, right? As an installer, I'm making over $100,000 a year, maybe like 110, 120, working hard for nine months. And I'm like, man, I'm doing well. Why would I ever leave? And he's like, man, why would you not? You're 25 <laughs> years old. What do you have to lose? Go try it. If it doesn't work, you can always come back and install roofing again because I used to do all the picky jobs for them with all the engineers and all the picky customers that, you know, needed somebody a little bit better on the job. So I actually did try it, right? And in 2013, I started, you know, dabbling into my own work. I started door knocking after, you know, after work, went home, took a shower, ran back out in the field, door knocked um, as much as I could. And in, in 2013, I did about $700,000 in work. And that was a combination of wow. some subcontractor work and then some of my own jobs as well. And then in 2014, 2014 was basically my breakout year. That was the first year I said, you know what? I need to get a real office. I need to you know, move away from subcontractor work. I'm going to focus strictly on my own work. And that first year, um, I sold $1.8 million in work. Um, Produced the 1.8. I had one crew. I was the sales manager, the production manager, the office manager. And I believe the only help I had in 2014 was my wife, which was a lot of help. And she was, uh, she was pulling a lot of permits, driving around with a couple kids in the car, you know, in between school and things like that. So 2014 was my first year that I went out. And, you know, 2015, we, we grew to 3.2. 16 was $6 million. And I think 17, we did like 9.7 or 10. And uh, last year, we ended the year at $12 million. Wow. That is a great story. I told everybody listening this would be a good story. So you started off, so 2013, you started knocking doors. You did $700,000. Next year, basically, you, you were doing everything. You were, yeah. you were yeah, 14 leads, install everything. So yeah, 14 was, 14 was the year that I did. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it was 14. Yeah. That was the year that I answered the phones in the morning, get the guy, the crew out in the morning, um, went out on the road, did, you know, three, four, sometimes five appointments, which was not a good idea, but did a lot of appointments, did a lot of, um, selling, came back, did all my notes, stayed up till, you know, 10, 12, you know, o'clock at night, got up again at four o'clock in the morning, did it all over again. And at the end of 2014, I realized I needed some extra help. Who was the first person you hired? 
I, it was actually a salesperson. The first person I ever hired was a salesperson. Um, I realized I needed uh, some help on that side because I had a lot of leads. Uh, I did not have enough of myself to run them. And I hired my first salesperson, um, I think it was January, 2015. Wow. Um, how many, how many salespeople do you have now? So we have 14 salespeople on the road and, uh, uh also a sales manager in place as well. Wow. Awesome. And, um, so how many jobs in 2018, how many jobs did that 12 million represent? So we did about 1400 jobs, I oh, think 14. slightly over that. Yep. Wow. And that's a combination of replacements and repairs as we do both. Um, I used to shy away from repairs and, you know, strictly wanting to focus on uh, replacements, but as we continue to grow, we've also, you know, done a lot of repair work as well. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, repairs is smart. I, I don't know. If you're a roofer and you're not doing repairs, I think you're leaving so much opportunity on the table. It's a pain. Yeah. I get it. It's a smaller ticket. I get it. But, it, you know, look, it's higher margin, but also the people that you go and do repairs for, those are the people that are going to come and buy roofs from you a year from now, two years, five years, whatever the number is. Exactly. And, and we're just, you know, we're just starting to see that effect, right? Um, it's not like you install, a, you know, you, you do a repair and in six months they come back for a full roof, right? Right. So a lot of times we try to focus on higher end repairs, right? We're not looking to do a $200, $300 shingle replacement. Um, our minimum is, you know, 825 and our average repair ticket is closer to $2,500, you know, we're trying to get a full value, you know, the roof to wall, maybe a new upgraded ventilation. So the people that we worked with in the past, let's say a year back or two years back, they're just now kind of starting to come around to, into a replacement. Um, but the biggest reason that I wanted to start doing that is I know that, you know, once the economy takes a dip and we've been up on the, you know, on the uprise for quite a while, probably close to what, a decade now, you know, since 2008. But to me, I want to make sure that we have a full blown service department in place the next time the economy takes a dip because, you know, people will be shifting more to that. And I want to make sure that our company is ready. We know how to sell it. We know how to market it. And we're going to be able to adjust from, you know, strictly roof replacements, more, you know, more to roof repairs. And then once it comes back up, you know, keep going the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing I don't think we mentioned on here is um, your market area. Tell everybody what part of the country you're in and how big your service area is. Sure. I mean, we are in uh, the Michigan area. We are in the Southeast Michigan. And I would say, you know, Detroit Metro area is kind of our home. It's the, we go, we're located about 20 minutes outside of Detroit. And I would say we travel about an hour each direction of us, maybe sometimes an hour and a half. So I would say like about 60 mile radius um, outside of our office. Okay. It's not too bad. No, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good market. So tell me, um, you started hiring salespeople. What was the next, what was kind of the next thing that you had to do after you, you brought on your first salesperson? Um, what was kind of the next thing you had to do? Uh, well, Brian was the first salesperson decided that we also needed an office manager. Um, the salesperson that I hired, I actually knew him. Uh, through our supply company. He was actually my sales rep for my supply company. And he was looking to make a shift. And I'm like, you know what? You serviced me really well. You've done a great job for me. So, you know, you want to come and, and do some work for me as well. So he decided to join my, my office manager that I hired. 
um, was actually my cousin. Uh, she was looking for a job. I said, hey, you know, let's come in. Let's, I'm going to teach you a few things. And she did a great job on that. But talking about hiring, I will say this. I did a lot, a lot of bed hiring my first two years of hiring people outside of roofers, right? I grew up on the roofing side. I grew up working with guys that are putting roof, roofs on every single day. So when I started hiring people for the office, for, um, you know, production management, for sales management, or, for, you know, sales reps, my hiring strategy was basically, hey, listen, if you know a little bit of roofing, you can breathe, come on, you know, come right in. We have a lot of work that needs to be done. And that kind of bit me in the butt. We've all done that. You're oh, not yeah. the only one. So, well, what's changed now? Because now you, you're, you got to hire a lot of people. So yeah. how has that changed? Ooh, um, I would say being more particular about who we bring in, um, know what we're worth as well as a company and who we want in here. You know, in, in 2014, I guess in 2015, the first time I hired somebody, I almost had to beg people to work for me. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're, if you have a decent career, you're making decent money, why would you ever switch to work for a guy right. who just started doing his own work, who might not be stable, who might go out of business. And so there was basically, it was a high risk, but it needed to be a high reward position. And I just said, Hey, listen, anybody who's willing to work with me, come on in. Right. Sometimes hiring family, friends, or people that you know, or people that had experience is not the best thing. And I used to actually hire based on roofing experience, right? Like my first sales rep was, Hey, he sold roofing in the past. So this should be an easy transition. And it hasn't. Right. So what we're doing now is we're actually hiring people without sales experience. We're hiring people without any roofing experience, our entire production department. And I'm not talking about roofers, right? I'm not talking about installers, but the people who manage the work, schedule the work, supervise the work, they had no roofing experience. And Why this did is the production. Why because did you I want Because a lot of times, every time I hired with experience, I was basically hiring bad habits. And it took me about two, two and a half year, years to realize that as we had turnover, as I had stress, as I couldn't sleep at night because somebody said this and they said this or they acted that way. And when I decided to do, I'm like, listen, I'm going to stop hiring experience. Let me hire for the culture. Let me hire for the work ethic. And I can teach you the rest. I can teach you roofing. It's not rocket science, right? How to put a roofing order together or how to schedule it or how to pull permits or how to supervise it. And the same thing for sales. Our entire sales department. So we have 14 sales reps. And the only sales rep that had experience was Vitaly. He's been with me since day one. So he's been with me for over 10 years. He's the only guy in the team who's actually had roofing experience in the past. All the rest of our guys, most of them had no sales experience, zero roofing experience, but they're also some of the top performers that we have as well. Well, I was going to say, if you've got 14 salespeople and you've got 12 million in revenue, you've got people that you brought from outside of, of home improvement and you put them into a process or a system where they're producing over a million dollars a year. I mean, you've got quite a few of those, I would imagine. We do, yeah. And last year, $12 million, that was with nine reps. So oh, that was with 14. nine. Okay. Exactly. That, that was actually with nine reps. Um, this year, we have 14 because as we hire more people, we're putting them through training. Um, and we do absolutely have a sales system that we put in place about a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And what, what kind of smacked me in the face was when I was um, – um, when I was doing sales myself, I didn't really have a sales system in place. And I was more so just, you know, kind of using my personality, using the fact that I know everything about roofing because I installed it or, you know, so I thought 
to sell, right? And as I, as I hired salespeople that did not have experience, you know, as I got rid of the ones that had experience, I started to realize, I'm like, man, like I cannot teach what I know. I cannot teach my passion. I cannot teach my roofing knowledge of 15, 20 years in a two, three week uh, course. So I actually went out, found a good sales trainer, found a sales system that we can follow and research the system, talk to a lot of roofers or colleagues in the industry and put a sales system in place where we can now take a guy um, I think the last guys we hired, it's, it's been what? They've been with us about two weeks now. Uh, we brought in four people at the same time, and two of them are already running leads this week. And one of them sold a $13,000 job on his second appointment. Wow. With a one-call close. So it was, you know, having a system in place for sales is absolutely crucial. It can be expensive. Not everybody likes it, but it is absolutely needed. Let's stop here and take a quick break. Do you want a steady stream of referrals coming into your business? Do you want a system that gets your customers to come back to you to buy more of your products and services? How about more five-star reviews on the sites that matter like Google, Facebook, and Better Business Bureau? Of course you do. G4 Marketing Group has been doing all of that for home improvement companies just like yours since 2009. Want to see if we can do the same for you? Just go to www.g4marketing.com and schedule a free Wealthy Contractor Strategy Session. That's www.gfourmarketing.com. Now let's get back to this episode. So for everybody that's listening and, and you've heard this story before, um, but I just want to point it out because I, I think, you know, Victor did, did really did an amazing job of, of, of uh, laying it out for you. You can't teach if you are out running leads and you want to grow your business, you cannot teach people to do what you do. 100% you, you cannot. As, yeah. As the owner of a business, there's an innate ability. There's something built into us as owners that allows us to go out and sell people. But that's not something we can bottle and teach how to do. And when you realize that like Victor did and said, well, wait a minute, you know, I can't teach him what I do. I got to go find a system. That's what, that's how you grow a company. If you want to try and create your own system, I, I don't know about you, Victor, but I'm not much for reinventing the wheel. No. You know, if no. somebody else already has the system, I, I'm going to go buy it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And there's a lot of systems out there, right? As we, as you become more familiar, there's, you know, windows, you know, selling windows, selling siding. Everybody has a 10 step system with, yep. you know, coming in the pre-close, asking the questions, doing the product demo, and, and all those things are just, it's finding the right person, the right system that fits your needs, fits your style and going for it. And I think the biggest thing, the misconception that I had as an owner um, in 2014 and 15 and even probably early 16, I was bashing on the guys who had a sales system. Like, oh, those, are, those guys are high pressure. Those guys yeah. make you sign on the day of the job and this and this. And guess what? When I started trying to grow my business, I'm like, hey, I need a sales system because I cannot teach my sales team what I know because I have that passion and I also cannot rely on, you know, one or two natural salespeople that you might have that can, you know, sell anything to anybody. 
And that sales system for us now is absolutely, absolutely crucial. All of our guys follow it. Our sales manager, Eva, she does a phenomenal job of holding our guys accountable to it. And that's, that's the one other key aspect to a sales system. You can teach it, you can show it, but are you holding your guys accountable to it? Are you checking to make sure they're following it, right? Are you calling your customers to make sure they did everything they were supposed to do? Because a sales system sometimes is pretty uncomfortable, especially for guys who want to be the nice guy, who just want to give out quotes, consult everybody, and hope, you know, kind of what I call lay and pray and hope that people are going to eventually come your way and call you back and, and get the roof job. So if you follow the system, if you have a person that will hold your team accountable, man, that will, that will just supercharge your results. So one thing I want to say about system is there are, like Victor said, there are a lot of systems out there. Different people, there are big names and there are small names of people that have a system. And I think what, what you said is right. You have to find, they all work. I mean, look, look, let's all be, let's be honest. They all work because they're a system. I mean, almost more so because it's a system than others. Now, one person has this nuance, another person has this nuance, but I think what you said is really is really right. What fits most with you? What are you most comfortable with? Which style or which person most resonates with you? And I think that's probably more of what you're looking for than picking the system apart and saying, well, it's a one call close. Oh, it's this, it's that. It's got to fit you and your style. The other thing that you said that's really interesting is you said that your sales manager is a she. It is a, she is a she, I guess. I was going to say it, it is a she, but no, Eva is absolutely awesome. And you said something like in your voice, like, hey, it's a lady. And that was the first thing I said when uh, uh, somebody you know jumped in my office and said, hey, we got a sales manager. She's absolutely awesome. I was like, wait it's a lady and they're like, yep. I'm like, have we seen our sales guys? They say things that are inappropriate. Right. They're very cocky. They're very macho. Everybody's an alpha male. Right. And, um, I went in to meet Eva, sat with her for a couple, you know, for a few minutes and I'm like, Oh my goodness, she's actually pretty good. And a funny story is we were actually like super close to making an offer on a different uh, sales manager. And, uh, Eva came in last minute. Um, we, I think she went through four interviews. We actually did a spousal interview where we had Eva and her husband, um, myself and my wife, Lily, and another couple kind of go out to dinner just to make sure, you know, we always love to see, especially in leadership, to see the person who is behind the person that we hire. And Eva has done a phenomenal job. I would. She is one of the best hires I've made to date. Uh, it's a different level of respect. Uh, roofing is a very male dominated industry and uh, you think only a bunch of guys can sell roofing or a bunch of guys can do roofing um, but it's not and even going to our production department we actually have uh, two or three ladies on our team um, on the production team as far as you know doing administrative work or supervising it just getting that mix is absolutely um, crucial to our culture it's a different vibe uh, much more cheery but Eva herself, I cannot say enough good things about her. So what, what, what was her background? Um, she, she came from, um, I believe it was the food industry. And she actually worked for six years at a creamery, a local Michigan ice cream 
uh, factory or distributor. And before that, I believe she spent eight years at Nestle um, doing uh, sales as well. Interesting. Wow. Yep. Very corporate experience. And um, our company is 100% not corporate. We're completely opposite of that. So and I think what, you know, what she was looking for is more of a family oriented, you know, more down to earth environment versus, you know, full on blown on corporate culture. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one of the things that, um, I don't know if you, if, uh, she mentioned it, um, to you guys at Accelerate, but Addie is, um, Addie, for those of you that don't know, Addie's my wife and my business partner. Um, but she wants to see more women, um, at events. And we had a lot, we had a lot of women at Accelerate, I think more mm-hmm. so than, than other events. But Addie wants to see, you know, more of that. And she wants me to interview more women on the, on the podcast as well, because, man, they could be, really can be an amazing addition um, to the business. And um, I think a lot of people do that. They, they think, woman, oh, and it's automatically discounted as a, as a sales manager. I'm kind of curious now, um, which other clients that I work with have um, sales managers that, that are women? I think uh, probably not many. Not many. Uh, no. Our sales, our, our sales trainer. I don't think they have any woman sales reps. Um, and uh, yeah, I I don't know, but it's a complete. Once again, not just in sales management, even on the production side, it adds a you know in finance or in production or in sales. It just the culture of roofing being dominated by males, and then you bring women in. It just it's a different vibe. It's a I don't know if it's a different level of respect, but just something. It just creates a much better environment. Yeah, 100%. it's got to be helpful. Got to help. Very, very helpful. Yeah. I, so, I don't think guys do a good job of communicating. Maybe that's what it is. A bunch of guys in the room or, <laughs> you know, a bunch of dudes in the building. I don't know if it's alpha males or it's communication. You know, it just does not go as good as when you put women in the mixture. The, the communication becomes better. Guys become nicer, more respectful. Um, it changes. Yeah. So one thing that you said um, – also that I thought was very, very cool. And I want to know a little bit more about it is you called it, I think you called it a spousal interview. Yep. So you want to get to know, so somebody's joining your leadership team um, using our language. I'm assuming that you call it some version of that, but a sales yep. manager is on the leadership team. Yep. Is it always your practice to meet the spouse and, um, and go out to dinner or do something like that. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. So after we actually had dinner with Eva, um, I found out that her husband is actually, uh, he's Russian as well. And he's got a good sense of humor. And after they left, you know, he was like, so what's next? Are we going to go on a kid's play date as well? Because <laughs> he wasn't used to it as well because he comes from a corporate background. Um, but where I got this from, um, at first, I, just from learning on bad hires that, the more you interview, the more you realize, you know, you need to interview even more because we've had interviews where, you know, on the fourth interview or on the third interview, something happens. They say something that just rubs you the wrong way that you did not see in the first and second interview. And a good example is before Eva, we had a sales, another sales manager that we actually took out to dinner as well. Everything was well, you know, everything went well and just something wasn't, just something was missing and we brought him back for a fifth interview in front of all of our sales uh, people 
and he tanked so bad. It was, it was like, I kind of felt bad for the guy. It was just, it was absolutely horrible. But where I got the whole spousal interview uh, portion of it is from Dave Ramsey. Um, I've been through Dave Ramsey entree leadership courses and something that he talked about is just seeing if somebody lives with crazy, right? And what he means by that is if you have a crazy spouse at home, you're probably going to bring a little bit of that crazy spouse to work. So, and the best thing is to do is a lot of times have that dinner. Either the spouse will say something, you'll see something. And once in a while, even the spouse will be like, you know what, guys, he's not the right person for you. He's not going to gel with you. Don't hire him. So that has not happened to us. That has happened to Dave Ramsey. And this is something that I've learned from his courses that, you know, interview often, interview, you know, three, four, five, six times. And especially for a leadership position, bring the spouse to make sure that everything is going to work because we're going to spend a lot of time at work, right? Right. I come in at 8.30 or 8 o'clock. I'll leave at 6, 6.30. We sometimes work with each other longer then we see each other, you know, each other's families. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll see people at work sometimes more often than I see my own kids at night, right? So yeah. you want to make sure that the people that you bring in are 100% the right people. I love it. I love it. What a great idea. Um, and a great practice too to, to, to put in. And I like the whole thing about bringing the crazy, yeah. um, bringing the crazy to the office. That's, if, uh, if, if they live with crazy, you can't hire them. Right. Right. That's good. So, okay. So we've talked about a lot and I'm kind of, I'm looking at the clock here and we're kind of, you know, running down and, and I, I always, there's a couple of things that I, a couple more things, let's say that I want to know. One is if you, if you were to go back to say 2015, 16, when you were really starting to bring on people and really starting to grow at a, at a very rapid rate, what's, a, what's kind of a big mistake that you made back then? You know, if you knew, if you knew then what you know now that you would do different. Sure. I mean, I think the, one of the biggest things is hiring and that's once again, goes back to having the right people, you know, in the right seats on the bus, um, the past year and a half, um, and I'm, I think you followed this as well, we started using the EOS system, um, you know, using the analogy of, you know, does the person get the job? Did they want the job? And did they have the capacity to do it? I did not follow that. I just, I did not know any better. I just said, hey, I am swamped. I'm working 15 to 18 hour days every day, not seeing my kids. You know, I'm facing, you know, FaceTiming my kids from the office as they go to bed just so I can see them over the phone for a little bit. And I really needed help and I was desperate. And a lot of the people that I hired back in, you know, three, four, five years ago, they're not with us anymore. Um, and you can say that that's a mistake, right? Like, you know, that you don't want to repeat again. But I also look at it in a way that it's a learning experience as well. You know, I'm, I'm, I went to school of hard knocks. You live, you learn. You make your mistake once and you say, you know what, I've been burned. I'm not going to do that again. Um, if I could change something, that would be probably not the one thing I would change is be better at hiring. I don't do a lot of interviewing now. I don't actually don't participate in the first round or even sometimes the second round of interviews. Um, Cause I'm still sometimes hiring, you know, like I would hire somebody in our leadership team is like, you know, that's not a good fit for you. Let's just, let's keep looking. Um, but I would absolutely say hire the right people and uh, don't be desperate, you know, hire slow, fire fast. Yeah. And get, and, and start with EOS. Cause, um, 
EOS is a really entrepreneurial operating system is a game changer. I've got a bunch of clients now that, um, not a bunch, uh, quite a few that follow EOS. And of course we do too for about a year and a half and it's, wow, it really is a game changer. The other, let me ask you this. So there's two ways that I can go with this. So (laughs) let me go. Sorry. I, uh, I had a, a brain fart there. I, I, I was trying to go two places at one time. What are some of your personal habits for success? Personal habits for success. I don't know. See, I'm still struggling with that one uh, of getting better habits. I'm um, personally wise. I, I get into habits. If I get into exercising and eating healthy, um, I'm a hundred percent all in. And then when I'm not all in, I'm a hundred percent all out. Um, as far as the, the success of the business or just habits for success, I mean, for me, I just, I just never give up. And I think something that has been instilled in me since very young age is, uh, you know, hard work. Um, when people ask us, you know, when they interview for a job, they're like, you know, what, what's your you know perfect employee, you know, or what are you looking at an employee? And I said, Hey, I hate laziness. I'm looking for people who work hard, people who like to play, people like like to have fun and a fun atmosphere. But I think that the personal habit of success to me, just never giving up and putting in putting in the hours that needed to be put in. Um, I'm working my way into a um, this summer. I promised my leadership team that I'm going to go down to a four day work week, uh, something that I have not had in all and ever. Uh, I used to work six days a week, be on 24 seven I've worked my way down to five days a week and hopefully this somewhere I'm going to be able to go down to four days a week, but uh, trying to, I guess, repay some of the sacrifices that I had to give up and things that I did not have time for, you know, when I was pushing the business to get it started and hopefully I can get some of the time back now. Love it. Hey, and you're young still. So uh, how old are your kids? Ooh. Uh, so I got four kids. I got, a, got an 11 year old. I got a nine-year-old, I got a three-year-old, and an eight-month-old. So wow. I got a full house at home. I got a beautiful, awesome, supportive wife who takes care of me, I would say, and my kids. She often says I got five kids. Um, <laughs> and just, just the other day, uh, we, were, we had a salesperson, I guess, a sales outing uh, for hitting the monthly goals of, of February. And one of, my, one of my guys says, so, you know, how's your wife? Does she believe this whole dream that you're doing this and this and that? And I, I had to pause. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know. And they're like, why are you pausing? I'm like, I don't know if she believes the dream or if she believes in me, right? Does she believe in me as the man that's going to take care of her, provide all that stuff? Or does she believe the dream? I think she believes more in me. And if I was to say, hey, I'm going to quit today and do something else, I think she still, would, you know, would be behind me 100%. But my wife has been awesome. And I don't think I could have done what I've done without her. I just remember back in 2014, this was probably February, 2014. I told them like, Hey honey, I'm going all in. I need three years uh, of, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to not come home. I'm going to be up late. I'm going to, you know, up late at night, you know, up early in the morning. And uh, I'm like, just stand behind me, you know, believe in me. Um, And uh, she did. And she hasn't complained since. And she's kind of been winking her eye at me like, okay, like, you know, it's been five, six years, you know, you want to take it slower. So like I said, this is where, you know, this summer I'm trying to go down to four days a week. Well, good for and you. Hope, 
and hopefully next year, three days a week, because I was at your conference. And I think one of your guys said he's runs his business like one day a week. I'm like, geez, I want to be that guy. Yeah. So yeah I'm, slow, I'm slowly working my way out of the business, putting a leadership team in place. Um, and hopefully next year I can go down to three, but baby steps. That's awesome, man. Well, look, I, um, I, I think what you've done is, is just fantastic. Um, you built a hell of a company and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we, we could have talked about. And, uh, I know just in the, in the, in the little bit of time that you and I have spent together, I've just been very, very impressed, um, with what you're building over there and how you're going about it. And, uh, so I thank you for taking the time and being here with me. And um, I hope that everybody uh, gets it. God, you got to get a ton of value out of out of out of Victor's story. I think it's fantastic. So thank you again. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. All right, everybody. So until next time. Oh, before that, hold on. Go to make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com if you're not already on our list. Get on our list. We've got a bunch more resources, free resources for you at thewealthycontractor.com. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.g F-O-U-R marketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.